0: In the spring of 1905, a couple of down-and-out cowboys entered the wigwam saloon in Winslow, Arizona to have a drink. The pair soon forgot their thirst, however, upon spying a game of dice in progress, and well, they decided to go ahead and rob it right then and there. What followed was a deadly pursuit literally to hell, a bloody gunfight, and an old West Lazarus rising from the grave for one final sip of whiskey. My name's Josh, and you're listening to what I think is a pretty unforgettable episode of The Wild West Extravaganza! The two saloon robbing cowboys in question were William Evans, also known as Smith, and his buddy John Shaw. The pair beat feet out of the wigwam $300 richer and hopped a train bound for Flagstaff, dropping a few ill-gotten silver dollars in the process. Now Evans and Shaw never did make it all the way to Flagstaff, instead opting to leave the train about 25 miles west of Winslow at the now ghost town of Canyon Diablo. And depending on who you talk to, Canyon Diablo or the Devil's Canyon was a pretty rough town back in the day. I guess with a main drag named Hell Street, it kind of had to be, right? Take into account its 14 saloons, 10 gambling joints, 4 brothels, 2 dance halls, and a partridge in a pear tree, and it most certainly lived up to its name. And yeah, I did add in the partridge for a good measure, but I think you get my drift. But just in case you don't, the story goes that Canyon Diablo's first town marshal was sworn in at 3pm and buried just a few hours later at 8pm. Five additional marshals followed, all killed in the line of duty, with the longest lasting in all of just one month. So yeah, pretty rough town, but I reckon Hell Street was about as good a place as any for Shaw and Evans to make their final stand. Turns out Navajo County Sheriff Chet Hawk and his deputy, Pete Pemberton, along with Town Marshal Bob Giles, had discovered the silver dollars that the outlaws dropped when hopping that train. They headed straight for Flagstaff, but soon got word that the wanted men had been spotted hiding in some bushes outside of the Devil's Canyon. As such, Hawk and Pemberton arrived that evening, round about dusk, and began questioning local business owner Fred Voles. And just as Mr. Voles was in the process of confirming that, yeah, there were indeed a couple of shady newcomers in town, Sheriff Hawk notices the perps walking brazenly right out in the open. He and Pemberton rush out to confront the outlaws who waste no time fleeing down an alley. The lawmen pursue, and upon turning a corner, find themselves staring down the business end of a couple of six-shooters in the hands of Shaw and Evans. All four men immediately open up fire, emptying their guns just feet away from each other in a matter of seconds, and miraculously, neither lawman was wounded. The same could not be said for the dice-robin duo. Evans caught a round in the leg and shoulder, but he still fared better than his partner Shaw, who lay splayed out in the dirt, deader than hell, and minus a good portion of his brain matter. Evans would later be sentenced to nine hard years at the territorial prison in Yuma, while Shaw was placed in a cheap pine box and unceremoniously buried right there in Canyon Diablo. And trust me when I say this is not the end of the story. Much like last week's episode, things are about to take a turn for the strange. The following day, a bunch of cowboys from the Hashknife outfit were drinking in the Wigwam Saloon, the scene of the initial robbery, and conversation naturally drifted to the recent holdup and the subsequent gun battle. And if you're not familiar, the Hashknife outfit, officially the Aztec Land and Cattle Company, had been operating there in Arizona since 1884, and at one point was something like the third largest cattle outfit in the entire country. They got the nickname Hashknife on account of their brand, resembling a type of knife once used by chuck wagon cooks. And their hands soon garnered a reputation as the thievinest, fightinest bunch of cowboys who ever set a saddle. Now, while your average Hashknife cowpoke was known to let the wolf howl on occasion, they, like all other cowboys, were mostly honest and hard-working. That said, there were a few bad apples, and some of the men employed by the Aztec Cattle Company had also been guilty of robbing trains, stagecoaches, and rustling cattle, as well as getting into their fair share of gunfights. In Hallbrook, the closest vestige of civilization to the Hashknife headquarters, there were an astonishing 26 shooting deaths in the year 1886 alone, and that in a town whose population was just 250. Tom Pickett, one-time compadre of Billy the Kid, was a noted hashknife cowboy, as was Burt Mossman, who we just discussed in the recent episode on Ed Scarborough. Prior to Burt becoming the first captain of the Arizona Rangers, he was employed by the hashknife bunch to help put an end to the rustling, which he did by firing 52 of the 84 men on the payroll. Now, by 1905, things had calmed down a considerable amount. But as you'll soon hear, the hash knife still employed more than a few rough old cobs. Which brings us back to them cowhands at the wigwam, who were discussing in the prior day's excitement when the barkeep let slip a shocking revelation. It seems that before robbing the dice game, Evans and Shaw had ordered themselves a couple of shots of whiskey. Drinks they never touched, as they soon grew preoccupied with larceny. A negligence near unthinkable to the hash knife cowboys. I mean, sure, Evans could always imbibe after his stint in prison, but poor Shaw was destined to meet his maker with parched lips. Reckon this didn't sit too well with them cowpokes, and it weren't long before they got it into their heads to ride on over to Canyon Diablo, dig up John Shaw, and make damn sure he got that final drink. And so it were that somewhere between 15 and 20 inebriated hash knife cowboys boarded a train bound for Hell Street, a bottle of the wigwam's finest rock gut in tow. The motley crew arrived at the Devil's Canyon just before first light and began banging on Fred Volz's door, buggering him to lend over a few shovels. We stopped at the depot and had a few more drinks, and then we went and dug the grave open with shovels, Cowboy Lucian Cresswell later recalled. Now Fred Volz wasn't too happy about this new development. After all, it was he who, the day before, had identified the outlaws right before the shootout, and it was he who was tasked with burying Shaw afterwards. Now, not even 24 hours later, he had to sit back and watch as a bunch of wild-ass cowboys dug up a corpse just so they could give him a drink. Thinking he might as well make the most of it, Voles went ahead and grabbed his fancy Kodak box camera. After all, who knows? Maybe a few photos of Shaw's body would help him collect a reward for assisting the lawmen, or even possibly induce Shaw's next of kin to pay him, Voles for a proper burial. So, as it were, Fred began snapping pictures as the cowpokes put them shovels to work digging up the coffin, all of them experiencing a shock of surprise when they popped open the lid and found Shaw's face frozen in a smile, a sight that caused at least one cowhand to shed a few tears. Undaunted and true to their word, they hauled Shaw up out of the casket, held his body upright, and began pouring whiskey through his smiling, clenched teeth. One cowboy by the name of Marley began singing bringing in the Sheaves, at which point even more tears began to freely fall. A final prayer was given, I imagine a supplication of the sort that only a free-living cowboy could make merciful and understanding creator, and then Shaw was gingerly placed back in the coffin with an unfinished bottle of whiskey resting on his chest. The boys shoveled dirt back on top and solemnly made their journey back to Winslow each of them no doubt wondering what their own burial would be like, and who, if anyone, would sing over them. Now, as far as I know, none of Shaw's family ever did come forward, and those photos would end up displayed in the Wigwam Saloon until it was torn down in the 1940s. I'm not sure who owns the originals, but you can find them online. Link in the show notes if you're curious, or just Google the shootout at Canyon Diablo. I normally don't suggest viewing photos of the deceased, But the expression on Shaw's face truly is uncanny. I mean, if you didn't know any better, you would swear he was still alive. It's like an Old West weekend at Bernie's, only with one of the most contented smiles I have ever seen. It's almost unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable, hopefully you know by now that I do strive for accuracy here on the Wild West Extravaganza. And it turns out that maybe Canyon Diablo wasn't quite as wild as I portrayed it to be earlier. Don't get me wrong, the gunfight I just described definitely occurred, as did the unearthing of John Shaw for that last drink. All of that was true. The other stories, though, the ones talking about the various town marshals killed in the line of duty, and the abundance of saloons and the other denizens of vice, well, those just might have been the imaginative musings of a fiction author by the name of Gladwell Richardson. Why he felt the need to embellish, I do not know, as the true story of Canyon Diablo is absolutely wild. In my opinion, at least. There may or may not have been a succession of town marshals killed, and Canyon Diablo may or may not have been lined up and down with whorehouses and gambling joints. And there may not have been a bunch of gunfights in the streets, as people like to believe, but there was at least one deadly gunfight there, and it did result in one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. The final toast of a down-and-out cowpoke gone wrong by the name of John Shaw. You may be interested to learn that just seven months after the gunfight, Deputy Pemberton was in the Wigwam Saloon, the same establishment where this whole damn thing got started, and drinking with Winslow Town Marshal Bob Giles, the feller who had previously helped him find them silver dollars by the train station. The two lawmen got into an argument about what I do not know, but it resulted in Pemberton drunkenly and fatally shooting Marshall Giles. Pemberton was found guilty and sentenced to 25 years at the prison over in Yuma, the same one where William Evans, the man who he had shot and helped capture over at Canyon Diablo, was also doing time. No word on how they got along behind bars, but I got to assume it made for some awkward conversations in the prison yard. Unfortunately, I don't know what became of either man later in life. Pemberton did not end up serving anywhere near his full sentence. He got a pardon after just a few years, and all Evans had to do was less than a decade, so I can only assume they both breathed air as free men once more. Whether or not they ever went back to the Devil's Canyon for a reunion is anyone's guess. If you liked today's episode, don't thank me, thank my friend David Lambert, as he's the one that made me aware of this entire debacle. Just in case you don't know who I'm talking about, David Lambert is a talented artist and all-around expert when it comes to Western films and Old West history in general. I'm fully aware that he does not like the term expert, but when it comes to this type of stuff, especially his encyclopedic knowledge of westerns, there is just nobody better. Link in the show notes if you'd like to check out some of David's writing or artwork, which you can also find at patreon.com forward slash davidlambertart. And if you enjoy what you see, send him a message, as he does have a few prints for sale. I got some hanging on my wall as we speak. You can also hear David on the Wrong Real podcast doing exactly what we do here, talking Old West history. I'll drop a couple of links down below to some of my favorite episodes. All right, that's about all I've got this week. Please head on over to WildWestExtra.com for more true tells from the Wild and Wooly West. While you're there, hit that contact button. Let me know what's on your mind. And try not to rob any dice games, okay? It won't end well. At best, you'll end up behind bars walking with a damn limp like Evans. At worst, a bunch of damn drunks are just going to dig your ass up and toss a bunch of cheap booze down your gullet. On second thought, that doesn't sound too bad. All right, till next week, adios. Hey, we'll get back to the story in just a moment, but first, I got to be honest with you. I'm doing this full time now. The Wild West extravaganza is, as we speak, my job. And to tell you the truth, this is sort of a gamble. I'm gambling on myself, and I'm gambling on you make this work and to continue bringing you true tales from the wild and woolly west in an unfiltered and uncensored fashion i'm gonna need your support and at this moment the absolute best way you can support the wild west extravaganza is by becoming a member of into history into history is a podcast subscription channel made by history lovers for history lovers not only will you get to listen to the wild west extravaganza ad free but you'll gain early access before anyone else you also get bonus content. There is currently Wild West Extravaganza content on Into History that you cannot hear anywhere else, not even on Patreon. And there's a lot more to come. You'll also get to participate in the book club, the community forum, the upcoming live streaming events, and best of all, you won't have to hear my annoying ass voice break into the middle of a story like I'm doing right now. And guess what? You also get everything I just mentioned from all the other shows in the Into History universe, offering the same perks. Come on, what are you waiting for? Go to intohistory.com forward slash Extra. That's intohistory.com forward slash Extra to become a member today. I love you. And thank you very much for assisting me in helping to keep the old West alive. Back to the show. and understanding Creator.